Welcome to the Manager Track, the leadership podcast where we help ambitious managers across the ranks become confident and competent leaders people love to work for. I'm your host, Ramona Shaw. My friends, you're in for a real treat. In this episode, I'm joined by Dr. Brian Harmon, who is a friend of mine, but also an executive coach, a three times TEDx speaker, an author, a assistant professor at UCLA, UC Berkeley, and a few other universities. And he's on the Forbes Coaches Council and so much more. Now we're going to talk about all things trust in leadership. And this is a topic that's close to my heart. So listen in. Here is my conversation with Brian. Brian, so a lot of the leaders that come to you specifically and seek out your help, they look to become a more uh, trusted leader. What are some of the issues or challenges that they're actually facing and notice in their work life where they notice, "Mm, I'm not sure if people trust me? Yeah. The biggest red flags are when you have a company that can't respond to change a company that's complacent with their performance, a company that's not hitting their goals. Like in any relationship, let's say with you and I, if we have trust in our relationship, it's going to be a lot easier to get things done. It's going to be a lot easier to schedule meetings with each other. It's going to be a lot easier to share clients. It's going to be a lot easier to be in a mastermind group together. But if there's not trust in our relationship, I'm going to have to really put in extra effort to try to get you, hey, Ramona, come join my mastermind group or, hey, Ramona, come join my little video blog, linkedin thing. So the cost of that low trust is time, money, resources, all kinds of stuff that companies really are facing struggles with all the time. The purpose of business is to make profit in a responsible way. So the way you deal with your resources matters. And if you're wasting your resources because of low trust, That's all the issues you see is low performance. I just can't figure it out. Why can't I get this done? Why aren't these people doing what they're supposed to be doing? It's like, yeah, well, why would they with that attitude? They don't trust you. A lot of what I see too is that leadership, they tend to forget that what they do trails down into every piece of the organization. So they might say, I'm having trouble with this sales department. They're not hitting their numbers quarter after quarter after quarter. I just can't figure it out. Okay, well, then what they should be talking about is how am I building trust with person that does report to me? Am I just pressuring them saying month after month, why aren't you hitting these goals? Or is it more about how can I build that trust in the relationship so that they can build trust in the relationships that they have down the line? So that trust just waterfalls into every single relationship. If you have a piece of your business that's failing, it really is the leader's fault. So Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. I have this one client and they have a group of leaders and every single leader tells me the same thing. I'm overworked. I have no personal life. I can't keep up. No matter what I do, it's never enough. Mm -hmm. But then the CEO, are they oblivious to this? Mm -hmm. Or if they don't know about it, why aren't the people telling them? Is there some blocking communication? CEO founders tend to find that they think they have one problem but really the ultimate core root problem is trust. Mm-hmm. CEOs might think I don't have enough time in the day to get all the things done that I need to done, get done. But the reality is they're not coaching, delegating, giving feedback, collaborating in a trusting way. Yeah. So then that's what the organization suffers from is a lack of collaboration, ineffective relationships, no feedback, et cetera, et cetera. 
Yeah, that's such a great point because then those initial superficial problems are then when we're when we're addressing those, we're putting a band-aid on something, there's a wound underneath that keeps coming up. Like it's not healing because it's that root cause can be the lack of trust. And I actually I have experiences and, and sort of flashback moments to when I was in my corporate career, when I was part of a conversation where someone from the C-suite would say something about an other department having a strategy that is in conflict with ours and we got to be protective to our resources or we got to be aware and always question what the true motive is behind a certain thing or behind a certain action. And they would say a comment that may just be a small thing in a conversation, a broader conversation. But as someone who's looking up to those people and looking for guidance from those people, I soaked that up and I took that in. And then the way I would interact with my peers on my level was then influenced by the sentiment I got from how they're collaborating at the sea level, right? Mm -hmm. And that influenced how I'm reacting or acting with my peers and then likely also how the sentiment I gave my team members and then how they interacted with their peers. And that's how it goes through the organization. I can wholly see and recall how that happened and how I experienced this. And yeah. then, and then the cost of it. Yeah. Yeah. With the, with the cost of trust, when you, when you have a relationship that's had betrayal in companies, the way that looks is laying people off or people getting reprimanded or feeling like you're always under pressure there's always in there an opportunity to take that behavior that happened, the, the reprimand, the pressure, whatever, and turning it into a, an opportunity to build trust. But leaders have to make that conscious decision to say, how do I turn this into that high trust behavior? What are some of the things that would result from this long term? Because we know negative emotions are really sticky. They tend to stick with people. If you get mm -hmm. into that amygdala fight or flight defense mode, then you're always going to be a perceived threat to someone. So even if it's bad news that you have to leave or if it's constructive feedback that you have to give, there's a way to do that with, with low trust or high trust. There always is. It just takes more planning, more preparation, uh, a little bit more strategy. One thing that leaders, I think, need to do is they have to understand that just like you were describing, I'm watching what's happening around me and that influences how I behave in the relationships and interactions that I have. Two big ways to build trust is, number one is really internally facing. So you have this, do I make promises to myself and keep them? Am I worthy of my vision? Do I stick to the things that I know are right? I'll give you a personal example. If I tell my wife, hey, I don't wanna drink on Friday night because I wanna get up and go for an early jog on Saturday morning, well, if I make that promise to myself and then break it, I'm basically telling all the people around me, I have no respect for my own self-trust. I can't keep a promise to myself. Mm -hmm. So then now she subconsciously has this picture of, okay, well, Brian is not someone that can keep promises to himself. Yeah. So that's one way is make promises to yourself, declare them to the people around you, but then actually follow through on it. Now people will see you as someone that practices self-trust and now they feel like they can do that with you. So then yeah. that trust becomes reciprocal. Yeah. Then the other thing I think is more of an outward facing trust building behavior is, and, and you and me know each other's personal stories and we've had conversations. When I ask leaders out there, it, let's say they have 20 direct reports and I'll ask them something like, well, how 
many of the people that report to you, do you really know their life story? Their names of their kids, what their kids are up to, what are their kids' hobbies? What are the biggest challenges you've overcome in life? What are the happiest moments personally and professionally that you've been through? What's the big turning point in your life? Where do you see yourself in the long-term career trajectory? Most leaders have no idea the answer to any of those questions for their direct reports. And that, that is the worst thing because the other part of trust, this outward trust is about breaking down those walls and it starts with us. So if I go around telling my story to people and I tell them honestly with truth and transparency and vulnerability, then that wall starts to come down. And now you feel like you can be that honest and trustworthy with me as well. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the two pieces of trust that I think leaders really fail on is practicing and declaring and demonstrating the self-trust mm -hmm. promises mm -hmm. to myself. And then giving you also that piece of me that says, it's okay when you're around me mm -hmm. to break down those walls. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting, just in experience between you and I, Brian, uh, when you say, hey, I'm going to send you this or let's do this. And you're always following through in every single thing that you say. It builds this respect. It builds a huge amount of, you know, likability for you, but also respect that I have for you and for your work. And so I am speaking highly about you. I respect you greatly and I want to work with you and collaborate with you. When you are vulnerable in a conversation, it makes me automatically go like, ah, oh, you know, that was really a vulnerable moment. How can I sort of reciprocate and also show you that I want to go there and I want to, I respect you for that. And I want to build that level of report with you. And then, right, when you have a leader where you, based on my experience too, when I have a leader that I trust and so I'm doing this in reflection, <laughs> reflecting back in the last 10 years, the people that I trusted, they would always have my success at, was their interest, regardless of what that meant for them or their team. And I went above and beyond for them. Even in our relationship, right? Brian, you'd ask me for any help, any, anything that I can do, I'm here. And I want to do whatever I can to help. That's because we've established the extreme form of trust, which is called admiration. Even though people who say, oh, well, why are you working with Ramona? Aren't you competitors? Yeah, maybe you might see it like that. We're both coaches, but there's endless opportunities out there. And we're neither naive enough to believe that there's not enough opportunity for both of us. So instead, <laughs> we're practicing admiration by saying, I want you to be even more successful than me. So if, if that means sharing all my business secrets, helping you in any way I can, why wouldn't I do that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're competitors. That's like the, such an immature thing. And I think that in the workplace, there often is this like, no, I got to keep this to myself. Why would I want to train my replacement? Yeah. Like, well, what, how's that working for you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so true. And another story that just comes to mind is from an organization that I was coaching with. And there was a situation where the company made a decision that was perceived by many of the employees as a decision that was unnecessary. And it was creating extra hardship on some of the employees that could have been prevented, especially during time like this. And for several people, this opened up this question of, wait a second, can I trust them? This is not what I thought they would be. And loyalty to the organization took a dip in that moment. You feel like, well, hold on a second. I thought I could trust you, but you just showed that you would do something that is not what you said you would do. And so I'm not sure if I can trust you. And therefore, I'm not sure how much I'm going to stick around and how loyal I can be. And then 
I might start looking around. I might be more open to a recruiter who's pinging me on LinkedIn. Just these little things sometimes, right? It's you build trust over a long time. It's one thing that you do and you're not acknowledging it or you're not taking this as an opportunity to say, how can I use this moment and build trust with it? But you're sort of oblivious to this, even, even this consideration, you're acting on it and it can destroy so much trust within a short amount of time. In Is that how you experience it a lot too? Yeah, it's, it's really the same way you see it in relationships. That's the same way it works, whether romantic, friendship, or anything. On the opposite side of the continuum, if high trust is here, betrayal is here. Mm -hmm. And that betrayal is fast. Yeah. And it just takes a lot harder to build. Sometimes you even can't rebuild it. What are some of the things that would uh, prevent it from rebuilding it? Because of the way that trust is in our biology, our hormones, our neurotransmitters, oxytocin, when you hug someone or when you have sex with someone or childbirth, these are huge bonding moments. When you have a betrayal, which is the opposite of trust, that person is now constantly seen as a threat moving forwards. Yeah. So it's much better to act from a neutral state of like, oh, I can build trust or remove trust. But when you have that betrayal of some kind, now that's always a threat. Yeah, yeah. From the neutral position, you're just going forwards. Yeah. So that's our caveman brain kicking in who would say, you know, once betrayed, this is now a threat to my survival. On a biological level, our minds are telling us, our old brains, like you said, are telling us they're trying to build that trust back, but I'm still scared. Yeah. So in survival mode, it's like distance, distance, distance. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Thank you, Brian. Brian, for people who want to know more about you, where can I find you? LinkedIn. That's where I spend a lot of time. Yes. I got videos. Okay. I put up videos every day. If you care about people, if you care about trust, if you care about leadership or relationships, that would be a good place to check me out. Wow. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Now, as Brian said, he's very active on LinkedIn and I highly encourage you to check him out, connect with him or follow him and look at his posts and his thought leadership on the topics of trust, leadership, relationships, and it actually goes way beyond that. I bet you'll enjoy being connected with him. So now listen, you and I were both here at the very end of this episode. So I assume that you got something out of it and you enjoyed listening to our conversation. I would therefore love if you could give us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this or even leave a written review on iTunes. It would mean the world to us and I would truly, truly appreciate it. It'll take a couple of seconds and that's it. But it will help us spread the word and reach more people who want to learn about how to become a leader people love to work for. Now that's it for today. I'm looking forward to seeing you next week on the Manager Track podcast. Bye for now. If you love this show, then you love even more my free training for new managers. If you haven't watched this training yet, then I'll strongly encourage you to sign up at RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass. You'll discover the key shifts you'll need to make as a new manager and the number one most common mistake to avoid. Plus, you'll walk away with actionable tips that you can apply in your role right away. Go to RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass to sign up.